NFL Friday coming to you remotely just two days before the NFL draft. Lots of headlines to get into. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Jackson Heil joins me from his home. Jackson, how have you been holding up? Jimmy, you know, I'm getting, I'm moving along. We're trying to stay busy, but that's obviously difficult. Um, looking out the window, it's, I think it's hailing right now in New York. I don't know what's going on in Jersey, but I've heard some torrential downpouring today but um overall staying busy how about you brother not too bad we're on the back end of that storm cell it was really bad about i don't know 45 minutes ago it came through and it was pretty nasty but uh now we're doing okay Uh, excited for the nfl draft though a lot to get into and we'll start with the new york jets they currently own the 11th pick but most of the headlines with them have not been about that number one pick but Rather, what's going to happen to the Jets, and specifically with Jamal Adams and Jackson? I know you're a big Jamal Adams guy. You saw the rumors just like I did. Mm -hmm. What do you make of the present situation with the Jets, and what's going to happen to their best player? I think it's getting overblown just a bit. Um, I truly think Joe Douglas is kind of just doing his due diligence, and that's his job as a general manager. Obviously, things got a little blown out of proportion at the trade deadline this year when Jamal Adams apparently wanted out after hearing that the Jets were taking calls on him. But I think that since then, it's kind of been smoothed out, the situation between Douglas and Adams. Um, It doesn't sound like they've talked about an extension yet, but I don't think this is anything that's going to result in a significant move. And I don't think Adams is going to get traded personally. Um, The Jets would have to be significantly blown away and I don't think if you're the Jets in their position I don't think you take anything less than a top 15 pick in this year's draft plus at least a second or third rounder and a player going forward because it sounds like that was the asking price and it sounds like that's close to what the Cowboys offered for Jamal Adams at the trade deadline this year so I think as a Jet fan I wouldn't be too worried about moving Adams and it seems like Douglas is just doing his job and just taking calls on him because there's clearly going to be an interest in a player of that caliber. I mean, listen, uh, these are all subjective rankings, but I mean, I I think he's clearly a top 20 player in the NFL. I mean, Colin Coward ranked him as the sixth best player in the NFL today. So regardless of how much stock you put into those type of rankings, um, it's clear he's one of the NFL's elite players. And I don't think you give up an elite player without getting a really elite package back. You'd have to get significantly blown away if you're Joe Douglas to move him, especially with not only what he brings on the field, but what he brings to the locker room, what he brings to the culture in New York and a team that's young moving forward and trying to take the next step next year going into the playoffs. So it would take a sizable package for the Jets to move him, in my opinion, and I just don't think they're going to get that. I'm with you in the sense that Theoretically, I don't think he is going to get traded because we heard a lot of these rumors throughout last season, throughout last offseason, that the Jets were fielding calls. And at the end of the day, all it probably will be is due diligence. Uh, But I I went back and forth with a couple people on Twitter about this yesterday, and they did bring up some good points. It makes me a little concerned that, you know, they've talked about an extension, and this is a guy who I think deserves it. I mean, you're a big Jamal Adams guy. As am I. I think he's one of the best players in the NFL, personally. Um, And he's a guy you build your defense around. It does concern me a little bit that they haven't gotten an extension done. And here we are out in the open a couple of days before the draft. And, you know, they're picking up the phone. They're talking about it, which is not wrong. But 
you know, the fact that it's still out there, I think, has to leave you a little concerned. And maybe that has more to do with the Jets organizational history, because I've liked what I've seen so far from Joe Douglas. I think they've had a good offseason. I like what he did in kind of rebuilding the offensive line. They haven't really gone for a home run move yet, which I don't think is a bad move, because I don't think this is a team that would be ready to contend, even if they did make such a transaction. But it just does concern me a little bit because you have to remember who we're dealing with here that they're having these discussions. I'm with you, Jackson. I don't think it's going to come to anything, but I think you have to sit there and take a step back and say, well, it's the Jets, and there's always that chance that organizationally they can screw this one up because that has been their track record really for the last 50 years. It's a great point, Jim, because you just like you always expect the worst with the Jets, and that that's kind of the situation that you feel like is going to happen here because you would just think that there's no way they would trade Jamal Adams. But at the same time, even with a guy like Joe Douglas in charge, who I agree, I think he's done a terrific job so far. And even though there hasn't been a whole lot to judge him on, I think you look at his approach in free agency and you can see that unless there's a significant long-term solution here, he's not going to throw big money just because he has big money to spend. I mean, he signed a bunch of offensive linemen um, in free agency, but none that were a really a commitment past one or two years. Um, there was a few three-year deals, but again, only the first year is guaranteed in a bunch of them. So uh, I, I liked what Douglas has done. I think the reason the Jets brought in Joe Douglas was because of what he can do in the draft. I mean, that's where he really made his marking in Philadelphia was his ability to scout and his ability to make significant strides in the NFL draft. And I think that's what the Jets are waiting to really see his impact in. And this is his first draft as a Jet. It's a monumental draft for the Jets with Sam Darnold going into his third year, coming off a 7-9 and nine season where you really think that this team has maybe a chance to take the next step if they move a few steps in the right direction this year, particularly with the offensive line, which they can make an impact with at number 11, and just on offense in general with some weapons, which they can do later in the draft as well, which obviously as Jets fans we know they haven't had any success doing that in terms of finding weapons at receiver in the draft. So I think this is a massive year for the draft for the Jets, and I think Joe Douglas will be able to show that. But back to your point about Adams real quick, I think that it's tough to judge the Jets right now because the, leading up to the draft, you, that's really all you're focusing on at this point. And listen, there was a time maybe a month ago that the Jets could have gotten some sort of deal done, but... Right now, I don't think there's any time to worry about an extension because this is probably the most important draft of the last decade for the Jets, in my opinion. Not only because they could make some impact moves in this draft, but because it's really to get a judge on Joe Douglas, to be completely honest with you. And I think finding out the barometer for him and seeing what he can do in his first draft as a New York Jets general manager is going to be massive to see if this is a guy who can do this long-term going forward. So you talked about the importance of this draft for the Jets, Sam Darnold going into year three. This is a team that we talked about in the offseason, rebuilt that offensive line. They did lose Robbie Anderson. They haven't given Sam Darnold a ton to work with in the last two years. Virtually every mock draft has the Jets going offense, whether that be offensive line or with a playmaker at wide receiver. So Jackson, I'll pose the question to you. If you're Joe Douglas and you're sitting there with the 11th pick, which do you choose? I mean, it has to be offense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, the The problem for me is determining. It really just depends on who's there at the time. To be completely honest, um, 
I, I think I would still go offensive line if I'm the Jets because that's obviously the huge hole where the Jets are offensively, and I think you can still find weapons at the bottom part of the draft, even though this really is a draft to me that it's top-heavy with wide receivers, and I think a lot of them are going to go in the first round. But um, I think that offensive line has to be the solution for the Jets going forward, and they got to find a way to protect Sam Darnold. Even though they found some options in free agency, I, I still think that an offensive tackle here is the most important, and whether that's Mekhi Becton out of Louisville, if he's able to drop to 11, or even Jedrick Willis out of Alabama, I, I think those two guys, one of those two is probably going to be there. It's just a matter of who, and I, I think if there is an option there, I think that that's the direction that the Jets have to go, and even possibly trading up for Tristan Wirfs from Iowa I, I think those are the three guys that you look at and say those guys have to be the options for the Jets going forward because if you look in the top seven this draft, there's not a huge amount of teams that need offensive line help. You could probably argue the Giants are there, but you have to think that they might trade back or might, may go defensively um, at that point in the draft at number four. But I, I think that from eight on, it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out because from the Cardinals, Jaguars, Browns, Jets, Raiders, and 49ers, and even the Buccaneers after that, and arguably the Broncos, it's going to be all offensive players, I think, in that sequence. And it really just depends how it aligns for the Jets. So I, I think offensive line is still the necessity for the Jets. But listen, if Willis, Becton, and Wirfs all go 8, 9, 10, and the Jets are left with nothing, I would have no problem going C.D. Lamb right there and running away with that because that just fixes your wide receiver slot for the next five years going forward at the very least. But I think offense has to be the priority for the Jets, whether that's offensive line or wide receiver is yet to be seen and really will just depend on availability, I think. But I, I think that if they're either able to get Becton or Willis, or I guess it's Willis. I've been calling him Willis basically the last two months. But if Jedrick Wills Jr. is there, from Alabama, I, I think he's the guy that the Jets have to go with. I'll say this, and then we'll move on to the Giants. Um, the rational part of me agrees with you because offensive line's been the problem the last two years. Sam Darnold doesn't have time to throw, and we saw last year Le'Veon Bell had almost no room to run. So that makes sense, but you look at what they did in the offseason. They got Greg Van Roten. They got Connor McGovern, who I think is going to be really good on this offensive line. Selfishly, I want them to go out and get a Jerry Judy or get a C.D. Lamb, like you said, because this is a wide receiver draft that is maybe as good as any in the last 20 years. It's so deep, and you could easily justify taking an offensive lineman because you, you can get a good wide receiver in day two this year. You can get a game changer on day two, but you know, I, I fell in love this past year with Jerry Judy, he's the best route runner I've seen in many years coming out of college. Uh, he knows how to get open, and he could be you know, a stalwart number one wide receiver, I think, on day one. C.D. Lamb's great, too. He's a game-breaker. He's a burner. He's got a ton of speed, as does Henry Ruggs, also out of Alabama. So selfishly, I want them to see the Jets get that for Sam Darnold because we, he hasn't had a ton of weapons to work with 
other than a guy like Robbie Anderson who left to go to the Panthers this offseason. So getting a game breaker like that can really help Sam Darnold. It can give him some easier throws. It can give him some more open throws as opposed to what he's been dealing with the last couple of years. But at the same time, you say, well, yeah, he can make those throws if he has time to throw. And we've seen the last couple of years he hasn't had that. So rationally, I think they will go with offensive line. I don't have a huge issue with it. Um, my guy would be Becton if he's there at 11. He's Agreed. extremely mobile. He's really, really good. He's got a lot of speed for a guy who's 350 pounds. And he's the guy I would take if he was at 11. But it's it, it would be hard for, for someone like me looking at this, maybe from more of a fan perspective, not to just go all in on one of these wide receivers. But that's what we've got for the Jets. And now let's move to the Giants. They've got the number four pick in the draft. Most of the mock drafts are unanimous in the top three. Joe Burrow going number one to the Bengals. Chase Young going number two to the Redskins, who, believe it or not, are seeing interest for that number two pick and are listening. And at number three, you've got the Lions. And if they keep the pick, everyone expects them to go with Jeff Okuda, the linebacker out of Ohio State. And number four is where it gets interesting. Giants have some options here. Leader in the clubhouse is Isaiah Simmons, the do-it-all linebacker out of Clemson. But Jackson, Giants are not necessarily married to that fourth pick. They've taken some calls. They've got some options. They can trade down if they want to and get some picks. Or they can keep that pick and get a really good player. So what do you think? Yeah, I think trading is probably the best option for the Giants because I, I think at number four, it, it's weird after that because you, you know the Dolphins are going quarterback at five. And you have to think the Chargers, after losing Phillip Rivers, are going to go in the same direction. But I think you are a, you if you're the Giants, you're in a position to get an absolute monster haul just to move back two picks with the Chargers because especially if the Chargers are in a position where they want Herbert specifically or if they're married to one of those guys in Herbert or Tagovailoa, they're going to want to be able to make their pick of the two. They're not going to want to wait and kind of let Destiny – fall into their place and see whoever Miami takes, we take the other one. So I think personally if the if the type of haul is there that I think is going to be on the table for the Giants to move back from number four, just even to number six, or even number five too, if the Dolphins are kind of get into a bidding war with the Chargers for that fourth pick, I, I think moving back is the right decision because I think the Giants have so many needs at this point that – as good as Isaiah Simmons is, and as much as I loved what he was able to do at Clemson last year, just from his athleticism and versatility standpoint, I mean, there's just so much of it. I, I think moving back for the Giants and getting a haul of picks going forward, not only for this year's draft, but probably next year's draft as well. I mean, you have to think at least a first-round pick next year would be on the table in this as well. I think that moving back is the right decision for the Giants because even if you move back from four to six, you have to think Simmons is still going to be on the table at that point because if the Chargers or Dolphins move up to that spot, you're going to have an option to take take Simmons right again because it's going to be quarterback, quarterback, 4-5. So um, I think if one of those two teams is to move up, I, I think the Giants should definitely listen because they're obviously not in a position for a quarterback with Daniel Jones and what he did last year. If it's lower, it would have to be just an absolute monster haul for them to move on and I mean maybe the Raiders want to move up from 12 and pick a quarterback I mean I've seen things that they could possibly move up to take Jordan Love out of Utah State which would be mighty interesting too but um, I think moving back is the right move for the Giants at this point 
the point of reference I've used for the Giants and thinking about trades like this is the Trubisky deal because the Bears moved up one pick to go up and get Mitch Trubisky a couple years ago. They had the number three pick. San Francisco had the two pick. And they made a deal where Bears get rid of a their first round pick that year, which is the number three, their third round pick, and a fourth round pick. So that's that's a pretty good haul. That's something that the Giants could get. I could see the Dolphins or the Chargers, honestly, pulling that trigger to go up from, in the Dolphins' case, 5-4, to four, in the Chargers' case, 6-4. to four. The Chargers seem a little higher on Herbert. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where the Dolphins are. My gut says that despite what some of the mock drafts have said, they're kind of smokescreening on Herbert. I still think they like Tua more. I'm not saying that based on anything more than speculation, but that's my read on the situation. Um, it's a tough call for the Giants. Isaiah Simmons is a guy who you could build your defense around. I really think he's the second best player in this draft behind Chase Young, uh, just overall. Mm. Um, he's an unbelievable linebacker. He can cover running backs, tight ends. They even put him on some receivers at Clemson. Not sure how tenable that's going to be at the NFL level, but he's an amazing cover linebacker. He can also play in the box, get physical, just a really, really good player. And he can fix a lot of issues on their defense just by his mere presence. So, if they think they can trade down from four to six, like you said, or even four to five, chances are Simmons is going to be there because Dolphins need a quarterback, Chargers need a quarterback. So if those two teams are ahead of you, it's not too much of a harm. If they trade down further, they're probably going to lose out on Isaiah Simmons. I don't see Simmons lasting past, you know, seven with the Panthers. Um, yeah. I just don't see him going lower than that. But. He's an interesting guy. I think he's really good. I think the Giants should do whatever they can do to get him. I really think that highly of him. Um, he's such an impressive player. He's so good. They can do whatever they want to do with him. And it'll just be interesting to see how far down the Giants are willing to go. But I don't think they're going to have to go down that far. And they can get you know, a good haul of probably three, four, maybe even five picks and only have to go down one or two spots. I agree, and I, I, I'm right with you, Jimmy, on your take on Simmons. I, I absolutely love him. Um, second player in the draft is probably a fair point. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm in love with Joe Burrow. I really think he probably is the most impactful player in this draft. Maybe not most talent-wise, obviously, given what Chase Young and Simmons can do at their respective positions, but I'm in love with Burrow, obviously. But Simmons reminds me a lot of Jamal Adams, to be honest. I see a lot in him, and obviously they play different positions, but their versatility and what they can do all around the field is something that stands out to me so significantly. And you're absolutely right. He can, You can build a defense around Isaiah Simmons, and I, I think that's kind of exactly what the Giants need right now is someone to build around on their defense, someone who's young and someone who can obviously be a captain going forward and be a signal caller on defense. And I, I think Simmons is exactly that guy, and he showed what he was able to do at Clemson last year. I mean, you were saying he was covering receivers at some point. Like you said, I'm not sure how capable that is at the NFL level, but um, it, it's just it's rare you see a talent like that in terms of just what he can do from an athletic standpoint. And I, I just don't see a situation where – I think trading down from four to six is tenable for the Giants, and I think that's something they should do if presented the opportunity, just to haul a few picks and still get the guy that they want because I, I think Simmons is is that guy that could be a huge impact player from this draft. And looking back on it, 
two or three years down the road when the Giants think they're going to be a competitive team. He's going to be the head of that defense if he's the guy they go with. And I, I completely agree. I think Simmons has to be the option. And if they're able to trade back from four to five or four to six, get a few late round picks, like you mentioned, similar to what the Bears gave up to get go up and get Mitch Trubisky, I think that absolutely should be the option for him. Jets have the signal caller of their defense, at least for now, and Jamal Adams, Giants might get the signal caller of their defense in Isaiah Simmons. And with Jackson and I, our signal caller today is Emmanuel Barbari producing this on a platform called Clean Feed. want to thank them for uh, producing this. They sound magnificent. want to thank Eman as well for producing this. And Eman, I heard you uh, had a point on the Jets. Yeah, guys. So you were talking about Jamal Adams before and just wanted to add some context that Jets GM Joe Douglas was on 98.7 ESPN today with Barton Hahn. And quote-unquote, referring to Adams, he was a big reason I was excited about coming here. I feel this guy is a core player. The main goal that I'm trying to do right now is surround him with like-minded players because we know Jamal is a dog. We have to surround him with guys that play as hard as he does, that love football as much as he does, and can match his intensity. So, again, I don't think Adams is going anywhere. Agreed. I don't, I don't, I don't have much to add there, but that, that's, I definitely agree with that. And I definitely agree with Doug, what Douglas is saying, you man, too. Just The Jets need guys with that mentality, too, because even, even though we could talk about whether culture is an actual thing in the NFL – or in sports in general, I certainly think it is. And I think we've seen that from the Jets over the last 10 years, really since they had that monster defense that took them to back-to-back AFC Championship games. The Jets haven't had players like that here in a long, long time. And Jamal Adams is certainly one of them. And I think priority number one has to be an extension for him. And like Douglas said, surround him with players like that on the defensive side of the ball that can make an impact and play with the same type of passion and heart that he does and wears his heart on his sleeve every single play. So I I completely agree, and I just don't see him getting moved. This is just Douglas doing his due diligence. Obviously, if he gets blown away by an offer, there's no real choice he has other than to make a move like that, especially with how many needs the Jets have on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. But I I completely agree with, with what Douglas is saying. I mean, he's a culture changer in that locker room for sure, on and off the field, and um, th- there's no reason that the Jets should be shopping him in any way. You love to hear yeah. the phrase dogs, too, referring to what Jamal Adams was just saying about a year ago. So you'd love to see the Jets retain him, do everything they can to build around him, especially when you consider that a lot of this trade rumor nonsense has been a little bit fan-driven and Twitter-driven, per se. Yeah, and you look at some of the guys that the Jets have kind of tried to build their defense around the last few years have not had that mentality, right? Guys like you know, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Leonard Williams just were not, for lack of a better term, as you said, man, dogs. And, you know, Jamal Adams, like it or not, he's a dog. He's physical. He's aggressive. Uh, he's going to get up in your face. You know, he's a trash talker, but he plays the game about as hard as anyone at that position in the league. So he's a guy worth investing in. I'm with you guys. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's a little bit on the table, as we talked about before, just because it's the New York Jets. But uh, my gut still says he doesn't go anywhere. And we'll see what the Jets wind up doing on Thursday night. My guess is that 
uh, they will try to at least fortify that offensive line. Um, just a couple of things before we wrap up here on our NFL podcast. Hasn't it's called NFL Friday because it is not Friday, but um, with the quarterback situation, I was interested to get your take on this, Jackson. Obviously, we know Joe Burrow's going number one to the Bengals. Uh, they are enamored with him. They're going to try to you know help him out any way they can. Um, the conversation has shifted to Tua and Herbert, and it's interesting to me uh, the risk-reward factor involved with Tua and how teams are perceiving him, it seems, very differently depending on which front office it is. And part of that is probably because of the nature of the draft this year with everything being done remotely and not being able to see him physically or interview him personally. But people have gone back and forth on Tua versus Herbert. And Jackson, I kind of wanted your take on that. You know, Which one of those guys would you take first? Because it's really a fascinating conversation uh, between you know certain NFL teams and front offices just to kind of get a gauge on their thinking. It's so tough. It really is. Um, I, I think upside-wise, if you have to swing big when it comes to quarterbacks, and I think Tua's got to be the guy that if you're a team in need of a quarterback and it's between him and Herbert, I think Tua gets a slight edge because I think his upside is, is higher than Justin Herbert's is. And that's nothing against Herbert because – you just look at what Herbert brings, and I mean, the frame is there. I mean, he's 6'6", he's got a big arm, he can throw the ball downfield, he can move with his legs as well, but in big games this year, I just wasn't that impressed with what Justin Herbert was able to do, and I mean, you look at the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, Wisconsin obviously one of the best defenses in the country, but I, I just was never really all that impressed with what he was able to do in big games, and I mean... Wisconsin, 138 yards in an interception against Utah, 193 yards in a touchdown. So he, he never really did all that much in big games. And listen, we know what Tua has been able to do on the biggest stage against big teams. I mean, obviously his first ever college game was the comeback against Georgia in the national championship. And he's obviously always played behind elite offensive lines and NFL offensive lines with NFL weapons, obviously this year, and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III. So it, it, it's tough to say, but... I think from an upside perspective, Tua's got to be the guy that you go to. I don't know where you stand, Jimmy, but I'm leaning towards Tua. I have no problem with Herbert, really. Um, I I like his tools and I like what he brings. But I I think from what we've seen, especially against NFL-caliber defenses or close to that, at least at the college level, Tua has shined a little brighter than Herbert has, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I would even take it a step further and say that if – Tua and Burrow are both healthy. I would think about taking Tua. I, I honestly, I, I like Tua a lot. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's got enough mobility to make plays outside of the pocket. The thing that worries me about Burrow, it's not anything to do with his talent necessarily. Um, but if you you know go back and watch the national title game against LSU, and you hate to hold something like this against him, but you had guys like Jamar Chase just running past at Clemson corners and Burrow would just drop it in the bucket and granted he made unbelievable throws but the skill around him especially relative to some of the teams LSU was playing unbelievable uh on a team like the Bengals he's gonna have to compensate a little more now that's not his fault but you you look around him on that team and it's just it's not there as opposed to playing on a team like LSU where his skill position guys are just better than the guys they're going up against and they can go ahead and get separation he can throw the ball up to a guy like a Thaddeus Moss and he can make a play. 
he's not going to have that with the Bengals. He's going to have to make more plays, and I'm interested to see how that turns out. I like him, don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to have to compensate a lot, and I do worry about that, partially because he also, I just don't think, is going into a very good situation. Jimmy, it's it's interesting you say that because I, I, I feel like for so long I was saying this about LSU is that LSU had maybe the best skill position players I've ever seen on a college team before. Um, I mean, you look at what they're able to do at wide receiver. I mean, where do you ever see a team that has guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on the same roster to go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield who was obviously a monster all year and then Thaddeus Moss at tight end. And they're just – LSU was so deep at wide receiver last year. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, you could argue they probably have three NFL – NFL wide receivers on that team with a guy in Thaddeus Moss who you could argue is an NFL tight end at some point. And then Clyde Edwards-Alaire who's going to get drafted at some point this year as well. So like, I mean, that's like, that's almost five NFL players just at skill positions for LSU. And I agree with your point. And obviously Brady did a terrific job with that offense and there are guys wide open all over the field. But I mean, like, I think Burrow showed enough with, especially what he's able to do with his legs. I mean, Obviously, we know what he can do with his arm, and he doesn't have necessarily a huge arm, but he makes all the throws, which is crazy because he doesn't have a massive arm, but he has every throw in the book, really, in my opinion. He, what he can do in the pocket and outside the pocket and his ability to make plays when he's under pressure is just ridiculous to me. And, and I, I agree with you. He's going to be going into a tough situation in Cincinnati, but I'm completely sold on Burrow. I think he's the full package personally and listen if Tua was healthy I think there would be an argument there but we also got to remember Tua had Tua was in a similar situation I mean he yeah, had the he has the best receiver in this draft he clearly has the best offensive line in this draft I think by a mile I mean I've already mentioned Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs being able to do what they're able to do so I, I don't want to take too much credit away from Burrow for what he has in front of him or for what he had around him I should say because I think Tua actually had the same, if not just as good, as what Joe Burrow had. Final point I'll make, and then we'll wrap up. Um, I was just watching NFL Network, and I don't remember who said it. I want to say it was maybe Kyle Brandt. brought up a great point. He said, look, you can get fired for picking the wrong quarterback, you know, Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Russell, this goes on and on. You could also get fired for passing on the right quarterback, and I think that's the risk that faces a lot of teams, especially in the top five or six of this NFL draft. Just one more thing I wanted to get to, and then we will wrap it up. I just wanted to read this tweet from Adam Schefter because it's about the most 2020 thing I've ever seen. Uh, Lions GM Bob Quinn said, Detroit's director of IT, Steve Lancaster, will be stationed in a Winnebago in his driveway for all hours of the three-day NFL draft in case there are any technical issues. Lancaster will go home each night, then return to the RV for the draft's resumption. Tells you about all you need to know about the 2020 NFL draft. Well, Jackson, this has been fun. Thanks for hopping on, and uh, it was good talking to you. Pleasure as always, Jimmy E-Man. Thanks for hopping in as well. Um, great to hear from you guys, and great to be back on the air. I've missed it for sure. So for Emmanuel Barbari and Jackson Heil, I'm Jimmy Sullivan saying so long, and thank you for tuning in to this special edition of NFL Friday. <laughs>